0: Greetings, Rare Ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds Emerging Markets Podcast. I am your host, Joanne A. Hamilton. This show is an exploration of the problems and solutions, ideas and concepts, growth and development, nuance and complexity behind emerging market startup ecosystems. Each season, I share unique conversations filled with stories from early-stage founders, Ecosystem builders, investors, and innovators from the front lines of global change and innovation. You will gain fresh perspective and insights, as well as learn from those on the ground who are creating the shifts and driving the action. The RareBirds Emerging Markets Podcast is a part of the RareBirds family of podcasts. You can find all our podcasts, TV, magazine, and additional resources by visiting our platform at www. RearbirdsHQ.com. The Rearbirds platform is on a mission to share the ingenuity occurring across emerging markets, one story at a time. We're here to help you as you journey along the ever changing environment in emerging markets. We're not in the Rwanda kind of where. You know, the, everything has ended and, you know, you're, you're moving to places. Somalia is still in the transition, material state to a proper government. Even though the small brands will never compete in price, what we've been seeing is that uh, they can compete on, on story. And for us, what we do, we're storytellers. You know, it's also the kind of tea that you're making and the kind of name that you've kind of created in the market. Mm. Uh, which is, uh, which you kind of value with all your heart
1: and soul. You just say, you know, let's change Africa or a solution for Africa or, or something like that, because um, it's really just, just dopamine driven conversations. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it just doesn't really make sense to talk about a solution for Africa, because Af- Africa is not really, there is no one solution that works for us.
0: Right now, um, we believe that the robotic arm especially is the type of robot that can help solve many problems, not only in one sector, but in different sectors around the continent at the same time.
1: It became a big problem, problematic. And sometimes in these markets too, you know, scaling doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you don't build an application over a year or two years scale to like maybe 600,000 or 1 million customers,
0: it doesn't happen that way. It really takes a while. People are, people really are careful in spending their, the few dollars they have Greetings, Rashik, Rashik, and welcome to the Webirds Emerging Markets podcast.
1: Hi, it's finally good to be here.
0: Yes, finally. <laughs> We had, we had a long road. It was a long road to get here, but we finally made it. It's a real pleasure to yeah. have you on the show. So, Rashik, I know you have a really interesting background. Um, you're an engineer by training. You have an MBA. Tell us a little bit about your professional background outside of the startup that you're building.
1: Uh, So, basically, I was an engineer who then basically turned I went for my MBA as well. And it's sort of like, you know, a cliche thing that you you do if you're a Bangladeshi. Mm. So the cliche thing is basically entrepreneurship as as a thing is not really that well recognized. I would say still like, you know, in Bangladesh. So the cliche thing about it is people go for like, you know, as much higher education as they possibly can. So yeah, I went for my MBA. Then somewhere down the line in my MBA I realized like, you know, this is not really what I want to do. I don't really fancy going into a corporate job. So we started a company called Tigro. That didn't like, you know, you know turn out as as planned as like it you know, happens with most startups. So, yeah. So basically this is my second venture and this is a slight pivot from what we were doing in Tigro. So, yeah, right now we are here in Walsh,
0: Okay, so Tigro was, it, it says here, Enterprise Connectivity Platform. So yeah, a yeah. little bit different to what you're doing now. And you did that for two years?
1: Yeah, sort of like we started in the second, uh, in, in my second year of MBA. So the first, basically, I would say like the first year was more of a like, you know, doing this on a part-time basis, like you know just trying out a few things. On the second year, we started to get a, get a bit serious, but the problem was, like, you know there was a global pandemic when the second start year started so uh, couldn't really get a lot of things done as we like you know planned but yeah it's good it's, it's good to be like you know finally here
0: yeah so you've actually never worked in a corporate environment you went straight from your degrees to the startup world right Ah, uh, yeah basically oh, so this basically. is what i, I what
1: i <laughs> yeah i i tell this to a lot of my like you know so like for example like a lot of juniors would come up and like you know ask for suggestions like you know career advice and stuff like that so i would always go and tell them that you know yeah i, I can i can give you advice but it won't be like you know uh like i have no experience when it comes to like corporate so only mm-hmm. advice that i can give you will be like you know with startup related. so if you're up for that like you know feel free to knock me but otherwise uh, i don't think it's any use to you guys so
0: yeah do you feel do you feel like you did your MBA basically because it was like okay fallback plan maybe just to kind of please your family you know show that you have I guess credibility quote unquote but you don't really feel like it was necessary so yeah to a
1: large extent I would say yes because uh uh so to a to a large extent I would say yes because uh because uh, I think like uh, in in Bangladesh and and not in Bangladesh, I would say like, you know, just blaming Bangladesh is probably not the right thing, but I'd say like myself, uh, I didn't really have a lot of understanding of like, you know, startups in general uh, back in like when I say 2019 or stuff. So I think like one of the things that uh, like, you know, I, I really wanted to like, you know, understand a bit more clearly on is, how do you do this? What sort of things, like, you know, what sort, of, what sort of qualifications you need and everything else? So as, like, you know, it also helped that as the startup scene grew, I think, like, that also helped us quite a bit because as the startup scene uh, sort of grew, in 2019, I started to have some sort of idea, like, you know, what it takes to start a company. But even then, I would say, like, you know, I lacked, even to be really honest, Mental understanding of like in startups, things that I, I would say like you know most entrepreneurs right now would take for granted like you know yeah these are these are very like you know basic stuff. I yeah. still lack those information. So I'd say it's a mix of both. It's, it's like you know I wanted to please my parents obviously, but yeah. I wasn't really sure in terms of what to do. And I've always like you know my view on education has always been that education sort of gives you. I'd say a backup option in life, like, you know, regardless of, say, whatever happens, if you have two, three good degrees under your belt, you always have this option to say, like, you know, get a good job and like, you know, have a, have a decent career, right? So yeah. I, I always viewed education like this. I thought like, yeah, MBA sounds better than like just sitting at home and figuring things out. Rather do this MBA and figure things out. Like, you know, while I'm doing this same here. So yeah, that was probably like where, uh, why, why I started like, doing this.
0: Got it. It makes total sense. I think a lot of people listening in would be able to relate to that, to be honest. It's very common, very, very common. And I mean, in Bangladesh, you mentioned that the startup um, sort of ecosystem there is still quite nascent. So can you give our listeners an overview of what the ecosystem is like there just generally?
1: Uh, right. So I think like the ecosystem is like, you know, at its very, very early stage right now. So by that, I mean like we have had what one real unicorn up until now that is because, uh There is a, I think like it's, it's safe to say like ShopUp is probably, I'm not sure if ShopUp has absolutely reached that position, but it's somewhat close. So we are starting to see like, you know, a few series A, series B companies coming up. So uh, it's been what, like five, six years that the ecosystem has really started. Like the only, even the unicorns that I'm talking about, like, you know, Bika started in 2010, really started their operation in 2012 or 13, ShopUp started in 2013. Then there are companies like Chaldal. Uh, so yeah, and at, at, at like on a company level, I would say we are probably still on a very early stage. So for example, we are still sort of seeing startups we're solving very basic problems. So things like say, for example, ShopUp, they work with F-Commerce. Uh, F-Commerce platform now, groceries are a bit more mainstream. Then you have companies like Pathao who do ride-sharing, Shuttle, who also like, you know, sort of do ride-sharing, but for on a, on a corporate level. Uh, so things like that, right? We are still solving problems of like, you know, logistics and stuff. So for example, for something that close to what we are doing, like OneThread, uh, is a SaaS, right? SaaS is, is is a very, very new in Bangladesh. Like, there is probably one or two companies who have raised any sort of VC funding up until now. So, yeah, we are at a very early stage, but on a very promising stage as, as well. Because right now, there are two things that are happening really interestingly. So, the one problem that Bangladesh has always faced, and I think, like, you know, that gets talked about a lot when it comes to, in the context of India, is brain drain, right? A lot mm-hmm. of, like... Uh, in my engineering university, there is a, such a big community, like, you know, of alumni that works in, like, you know, FANG, like Google or like Facebook. So those are sort of companies. So, uh, but these people are slowly taking, uh, like, you know, a bit of like keen interest in terms of uh, actually helping the startups grow. So either via angel investment or like, you know, advisory. And some of those people are actually coming in. And the second sort of thing that interesting thing is happening is newer people, like, you know, newer for even for me, right? For example, if I couldn't really do a startup, I would probably at some point end up leaving Bangladesh anyway. I would probably get bored of a corporate job and think that, you know, I can probably do something more interesting if I go abroad. So I think mm-hmm. that idea that you can do something more interesting with your life than like, you know, just going for a job, that alternative option is slowly opening up in Bangladesh as well. I think that can be game-changing because that would, like, you know, not necessarily completely stop it, but to a large extent, like you know, halt the brain drain and even yeah. incentivize people who have gone abroad, like you know, has made a portfolio about themselves, has a like in you know, a strong CV, can come back and like an actual help the ecosystem grow as well. So I think like you know that is where we stand right now.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the brain drain. So where generally do Bangladeshis go? Like what sort of the, I mean, obviously, there's the US, there's the UK, but are there other places like UAE or maybe India or Pakistan? I don't know where where Bangladeshis traveling to for opportunities. Like young Bangladeshis, young educated, you know, tech savvy, lots of skills, and so on. Where do they go? Yeah, so
1: for the young tech savvy ones in general, like you know, for like like everyone else, I would say. USA is always the, like, you know, the goal for everyone else to, like, right. go. But one of the, <coughs> sorry, one of the other things that we have recently seen is, like, you know, uh, there are two sort of people that I would say. Like, one is people who either want to stay abroad or people who want to just go for, like, you know, the best possible institution. So I'd say the best possible ones go for, their first tag is is always USA and Mm -hmm. it sort of varies depending upon the sort of uh, universities you get, right? Because say you are applying for like, you know, five different universities and you get like, you know, say you get into LSE, right? And you get into a a secondary university in USA, you'd probably go for LSE. So that always plays a part, but for the top rated ones who wants to like, you know, achieve the highest sort of things in their career, they, they end up going for USA but then there is a second kind who would rather like you know opt for something that is probably not like an ivy league that is not probably like you know the absolute top tier like you know top 100 Uh, and they would probably settle for like it's not settling but they would rather choose a country like you know canada or even australia to an extent or even some european countries where they think that getting pr is a lot easier or like you know staying beyond your education getting into jobs and those sort of things are a lot easier which is like you know really really hard in uss so i would say like these are the two metrics that in general differ and the Mm -hmm. third thing that differs a bit is in terms of engineering specifically because i come from engineering i don't really have a lot of nuances when it comes to uh medical but i see a lot of doctors going into like you know european region a lot more compared to us because Mm. u.s like you know i think like you know there's a lot uh there is a lot of detailing and everything with comes to like certificate and your permit to actually practice in certain states so that is why doctors tend to like you know avoid us but engineers tend to love us like you know i i say Mm. this a lot like i probably have less friends in bangladesh than Compared to the ones I have in US, I probably have more friends in US right now compared to Bangladesh because yeah. almost all of my batchmates from my engineering school uh, almost all of them. Almost all the good ones are in US right now. So because yeah. like you know, though almost every top engineering school is in US. A few in Canada, but I would say like you know, the, uh, almost seventy percent of them are in US right now.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's funny, it's, it's the same wherever you go in the world. You know, it's interesting because when I asked you that question, I intentionally asked, you know, do they go to India? Do they go to Pakistan? Do they go to UAE? Because I just want to get an idea, are there people who are trying to stay regionally or is everybody still in the mindset of, nope, we're going to the US? That's, you know, MIT, California so, Tech, what have you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or one one sort of like you know addition to this is is probably the bit i missed is because when whenever people say like you know going to broad my mind automatically or adapts to the idea that they have done their undergrad in bangladesh and now they're moving abroad because that is where my most of my friend circle are but yeah. a lot of yeah. people right now especially like we have two sort of different curriculums right one is bangla medium that is like you know our own like you know local curriculum and then there is an english medium which is like you know the standard ones, like you know your o levels L levels and like you know uh, yeah. your basic standard one so most in general like you know the society has been designed in a way like you know if you are like an upper middle class or like you know you come from a very sophisticated part of Dhaka or Chittagong, like, you know, two of the biggest cities in Bangladesh, yeah. you probably go into and, and study English medium because Bangla yeah. medium is more sort of aligned with our culture and those sort of things. So if right. you, and to an extent that is true, like, you know, if you study English medium, you probably like get it out. So a lot of people who, the students who go through English medium curriculum, so your O-levels and A levels a lot of them go abroad. And a lot of those people tend to choose a lot of like, you know, choices there are are a lot more like you know wider in terms of range of possibilities so for example like i know a lot of a lot of like students who have gone to japan Uh, Mm. some have gone to like you know south korea india i i have one or two friends who have gone to india but it's not that common because if you're not really getting into iit or nit it's probably not worth it and yeah you you know like being among others you're probably not really getting into it like you know IIT yeah. anywhere to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, like you know, in Japan, in South Korea, there is. Um, I've seen uh, quite a few people going to Malaysia. That is mm. not really a, a lot of the time the first choice, but a lot of people like you know tend to say uh, we have the best public schools in Bangladesh. Like you know, public schools are the ones that are supposed to be the most prestigious because it's like highest level of competition and everything. So if you don't get into public school, a lot of people say like, you know, if you're going to spend a lot of money on education anyway, rather go for like, you know, Malaysia or like, you know, even a Thailand university compared to a Bangladeshi. So I'd say in undergrad level, the choices Mm -hmm. are a bit more like, you know, spread out, but I would say most when it comes to like, you know, masters and postgraduate in general, people tend to choose, people tend to be a more choo- a bit more choosy because then if you ha- already have an education, like if you already have an undergrad, just going for a master's for the sake of it doesn't make sense. And a lot of people have family responsibilities as well. Yeah. So then people tend to be a bit more choosy. Like, you know, is it actually worth it? Is it actually adding value to my career and stuff? So, yeah.
0: And also at the master's level, especially in engineering, there's so many fellowships and scholarships from like the top schools in the US, you know, that that uh, a lot of foreigners tend to you know tend to take whether they're from India or China or Pakistan or Nigeria or Turkey so it's it's just the thing that you do you know you get the top you get into the top school and you just go because <laughs> you know it's just it secures basically your career right so it makes a lot of sense there's a bit of
1: problem when it comes to scholarships as well because I mm. think a lot of people probably don't get it like mm. scholarships in general mm-hmm. are hard to get. If you do only a master's, it's a lot easier to get if you do a PhD, because mm-hmm. in general funds are allocated for research, and research right. is mostly done in PhD, right. and that is a bit of problem because I've seen a lot of people who go would ideally go for a master's because that makes more sense. Because if you go into PhD, the problem is you get a bit overqualified for like you know your average corporate jobs because then you like you have this very sophisticated knowledge of something that is very niche. And yeah. Unless you are say, a, a starter or you are a professor yourself, it becomes a bit hard for you to like, you know, truly implement what you have learned. So a lot of people tend to choose a PhD program just just to get that funding because yeah, at the end of the day, you need that funding. It's very expensive to go abroad, right? So yeah, that that is also an angle that I think a lot of people who probably haven't gone through the journey misses a bit as well, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's complicated, all of this higher education stuff. So let's talk about your startup now. So tell us the story behind OneThread. How did it all come about and the whole thing? Give us the whole background story.
1: So yeah, we started, um, pivoted from Tiger as I said, my co-founder wanted to do something else completely fine, like, you know, happens with like startups. So we pivoted with a bit of different team and like, you know, we started from scratch to a large extent as well. So the idea was pretty simple. Like we looked into the market and we saw that, you know, there's a plethora of project management solutions that are out there. And uh, once we talked to a lot of people, we realized like no one is using anything. So that sort of confused us quite a bit because it intuitively didn't really make a lot of sense. Like if if there is a lot of solutions out there and I can see this business needing solutions, why aren't you using something? So Mm -hmm. then we try to understand like, you know, what are the reasons behind it? And we came up with two distinct reasons. The first one is pretty simple is that First one is price, right? Because like, you know, our countries and like, you know, markets like ours are a bit price sensitive. But it was like, yeah, price is a factor, but I get it. But for a lot of businesses who can afford it are not using it. So like, you know, price cannot be the only factor. So then we deep dove and then we found out the real reason. And the real reason is pretty simple is that people couldn't really implement these solutions in their businesses. So what do I mean by this? So most businesses in like, you know, markets like Bangladesh are built with people who are, on on an operational level are not really tech savvy they're not used to like you know using a plethora of like you know technical solution on a regular basis right so what happens when you try to introduce a solution that is complex that requires a like learning curve people tend to feel like you know there is no point of doing this right like i i cannot be bothered to like you know uh like you know uh, i cannot be bothered to go through all of this learning curve and like you know uh, truly implement distribution. So that Especially is where we realize if it's an that, SME, you know, right? Especially for SMEs. It's not only one SMEs. So for example, mm. like we have worked with a few startups recently and we have seen that technical team is very organized they use certain solutions and like you know they they if if you ask them like you know what are your sprints now what are you planning on like you know deploying in two three four months they can like literally show you documents and everything because they have all of that structured out but if you ask that same thing for a business team like you know an operations team or, or even a say marketing team as well they have like this vague idea or like they have this document but it, it will be spread around on three to four different softwares a bit unstructured a lot of them a lot of those like in information will be in chats in different whatsapp or like in a viber groups and stuff like that so we realized that we needed to make something that is very simple <clears throat> but also give especially in local market we need to give them local support but beyond local market we realize that we need to create templates specific for businesses right and the other like you know hypothesis that we have is probably goes a bit against like you know what's said and done in SaaS as you go anywhere and you talk to any SaaS founder, you'd say you'd probably hear these two things, right? You'd hear session time and like stickiness. Like basically mm-hmm. you would want your customers to spend as much time as possible on your solution and that is the goal right because that means that your solution is very integral to their everyday life and it is very hard to replace you, but the problem that we realize is that these people who work on the ground don't really have that time and you need to make something that is so simple that they can give you one or two clicks update and that is still valuable for the company because unless you can do that they will not use your solution so even if ideally your solution is very sticky if no one is really using it then it is not sticky at all right and that has been the problem with uh, like you know technical solutions beyond bangladesh like you know a lot of more Comprehensive and a bit more complex, feature-heavy solution. This is where we have started working, and we have made a solution that is like you know very feature-light. Like we have a lot less feature compared to anyone else in the market. But that is one of our USP. It's like sounds probably a bit stupid, but that is one of our USP. Because even today, I was talking to this client, and it's like they use a certain solution. I don't really name it, but like they use a solution, very internationally recognized solution. And like. My employees get overwhelmed the moment that they log in because this <laughs> dashboard has so many information there
0: yeah. that they get yeah.
1: overwhelmed and to that extent that they don't really want to use it anymore. But your solution looks a lot cleaner, it has a lot less information. But that's something that we like. And that was our hypothesis when we started as well. Like, you know, people don't really want all of those cool, interesting features because we can always add those, right? Once we can adopt people into this, then we can always add more features on top of this, right? But we wanted to create this market before we go into that. So that is where we are working. It's a, like, you know, very simple, easy to use project management solution. It's the most affordable one in the market right now. and uh, the idea is it, it is not designed for tech teams at all. Like, you know, if you're a high-tech person, you'll probably hate this solution because you look go there. And like, you know, there is like, you know, I, I probably need 10 more features to make it worthwhile. But it's not for Notion someone,
0: or Slack or, or yeah, any no it's, it's yeah.
1: no, it's not Notion. It's not ClickUp. It's nothing close to that. But yeah. if you are someone, say, if you have worked on Google, uh, like, you know, Google Sheets or like, you know, WhatsApp all of your life, and you have wanted to make that transition but you have found like you know clickup and notions a bit more complex then this is the right solution for us and this that is the customer persona that we are targeting right now
0: Okay, got it. So the problem being solved here is that most of what is on the market is too expensive. It's too complex. It overwhelms the, the users. And I guess there's um, not much collaboration, like team collaboration, I guess, in, in what is currently on the market. I, I'm wondering about the collaborative mechanisms like for, for small businesses to communicate with each other. Does that exist in your product as well?
1: Yeah, so Across we, these- yeah, you can... Yeah, you can, basically, we have three f- functions that we want to focus. One is task management. Second is communication. So basically your chats and everything. And okay. then files. So documents, right?
0: Okay, got it, got it. Now, you mentioned at the beginning, way at the beginning of the conversation, that SaaS itself is not it's not big in Bangladesh. So does that mean you don't have any competition? Are you guys the only ones?
1: Uh Yes, we have a few more in Bangladesh, mm. right? We have a few other companies who are doing it. Uh, project management or this space, we are like, you know, the first company. Like there are a oh, few wow. HR management tools in Bangladesh, but those are more HR focused, like, you know, your payrolls, leave management, those sort of things. We right. are more of, a, you know, collaboration and project management.
0: And you're definitely the first in Bangladesh. Yeah, yeah.
1: We are the first one in Bangladesh.
0: Wow, interesting. What is it like to be the first in in your country to be doing something like this? What is that like? Because you don't have a you don't have a playbook, right? You don't have your, yeah your, yeah. You, we don't have a playbook mean? at
1: all. Like yeah yeah. <laughs> I I face that on a regular basis. Like. It has been such a struggle to like, you know, so I I, I talked to this, uh, talking about this with my investor the other day, and I was telling that, you know, even if you gave me a blank check and told me that, you know, I could hire anyone from Bangladesh uh, as, as a content management for like, you know, our SaaS, I would probably struggle to get a person because the reason is, I know a few people who understand content marketing and like, you know, how does that work and everything, but I don't know anyone who have done this in respect to a SaaS product, right. Mm. There's always been like, you know, consumer focused product is where Bangladesh has injured. As I mentioned, like, we are still at like, you know, at the first wave of like, you know, startups where we are based solving, like, you know, the very basic problems of our country. So. Like, yeah. you know SaaS and this sort of product, and this is what a lot of vcs has told me like we were probably like two three years early into the market like probably two three years down the line is when the market will actually be ready for a solution like this right. because it makes sense right we are solving the basic problem so yeah i try to talk to like you know there are a few founders that are bangladeshi that are even like you know working beyond bangladesh there are one or two SaaS who are doing really well like there is a company called my Alice. So Ali's like they're referred to right now. So they work with WooCommerce. Hmm. Uh, so uh, like you know the founder in Alice, like Shuhai has been a great help for me. Like you know he has like you know basically told me a lot of a lot of stuff. So uh, there are a few people like this who I can like you know always get back to and they sort of they sort of like you know try to teach me from their like you know. Even their failures to an extent, like you know, they 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 tell me, like, you know, these are the things that I've tried, and like this is this is what has worked, that this is this hasn't worked, and why this hasn't worked. So, so like even if even before trying out our hypothesis, we might have a lot of data to like you know work on. So that always helps, but I would say, like, you know, there is not a structured way or even understanding of how sas works in Bangladesh. There's a quite a bit of lag and that also like, you know, harms with say, like even talking to angel investors as well, because uh, when angel investors who don't really see SaaS being successful, they Mm -hmm. also tend to be a bit more cautious because they are not, because they don't really have a lot of like, you know, examples in front of them that SaaS can be successful in Bangladesh or like even a Bangladeshi SaaS can be successful even overseas as well. So that becomes a bit problematic, but yeah, they just have to make it work basically
0: yeah yeah definitely so in terms of your revenue model is it something whereby there is the like an initial part of the product that's like free and then the more advanced features is subscription based or is it all of it is just you they your customers would pay monthly or or whatnot
1: <clears throat> so right now we have two sort of facilities so one is we give up to five users it for free we also gave a two months free trial right now like we it was on seven day one month we extended it like you know it wasn't really request from a user it was something we did voluntarily because we wanted to get a lot more user feedback in all loop. like before so one of the things that we saw say like we had like 300 odd users right uh in back in january i'm talking about so we had 300 odd users who are using the product uh and most of them were paying then we thought that you know let's would let's do this like we for this year let's try like for at least for next six months let's test it out Uh, let's try out like you know a few other different things give it give people for free at least make them use the solution a bit more because we are in the process of changing habits of like you know people and it will take a bit of time we understand that it will take a bit of time so now we are offering this free trial and that has actually helped us like you know gather a lot more users a lot faster like we gathered around 300 users in first five months and then we gathered like around 450 users in like one and a half months just because like you know there is a free trial of free free option for two three months because the problem like you know the hypothesis that we had is that a lot of people like in, in markets like ours face this problem that we are trying to solve but they're a bit unsure if a solution can truly help them right? right like so they want to try it out and see the benefit for themselves before they commit to apply the problem is like especially like now you can say and this is something that i've heard from investors that there are three options in like you know in notions click up up is free forever right if you but if you have a team of 20 people, it's almost impossible to use a free version anymore because you have so many data limitations, so many like you know limitations in terms of what you can do, how many projects you can create, those sort of things that people end up struggling using the solution. So they don't really get the benefit out of it. So what we have done is we have made it completely open, like go ahead, use it and see the value for yourself because we are confident that once people use it for a month or two months, and they get used to it and they see the value. And with the prices, with our prices being so low, we don't think that would be a big problem for them to convert. So that is the hypothesis that we are running right now. We'll probably like, you know, see at the end of next month, see where we are at, we are at, and then like, you know, probably take it from there.
0: That's good. And most of your users, are they concentrated in a particular area? Or is it kind of spread, you have a little bit of startups, a little bit of SMEs, agencies, everybody?
1: So our user base right now in Bangladesh is quite spread out, right? Uh, We actually wanted to focus more on agencies and SMEs uh, and a few startups as well. So our idea was to like, you know, focus on business teams of 20 to 50 odd people. That was our customer persona that we targeted. But interestingly, once we like, you know, talk to a few people, talk to different people across industries, we actually have generated interest from people uh, way beyond our customer persona. And uh, that was very interesting to an extent challenging for us as well. Like today I was talking to this law firm who have like, you know, 50 odd people right now working for them mm-hmm. and they want to like, you know, implement something. So uh, very interesting because they are already using something, but they have been struggling. So then like, you know, we, I generally am not of that mindset that this is one customer Person and we are only going to do this and i'm not going to talk to anyone else because even though we have like you know stuck to it and like you know we are more or less committed to it i always uh, find it interesting to talk to people beyond our customer personal and understand their problems at work because i might not be doing this right now but that might be something that like you know puts a thought in my head and to just to see like you know okay fine like that can be interesting right so for example like we talked to a few factories in Bangladesh, in R M G factories, like it you know, goes way beyond our customer persona. We found mm. out there is a very interesting niche problem that we can solve in the R M G sector, uh, and like you know, if we can integrate with a few of the existing solutions, we can actually tap into a very large market in R M G sector as well. So mm. these are like you know very interesting hypotheses that we came up with because that also helps us say, for example, <clears throat> once pitching to an investor, it helps right because then you can show like. It is not this one plan that I have. Okay, fine. I'm going after this. Even if this doesn't work out, I can go there. Or even if this works out, once my team expands, I can still tap into this other market as well. Like, and I can create different verticals. So right yeah. now, as the team is very small, uh, it would be our team would probably be stretched too much. We are talking to a few investors right now. If we can raise the round fairly soon, now then we'll probably like look into at least going to at least one other vertical to like you know find out our perfect
0: person. Yeah this is these are I guess what you would call the first the first mover advantages in that you get to really understand the market and position yourself in a way that right now you may not want to get into that particular vertical but eventually you could and you have an understanding of yeah. it right? Yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay so you mentioned Slightly, some of the challenges, what are, what is sort of the biggest issue that you guys have faced? I mean, you've only been around for like a year, right? You haven't been around that long. One thread. When you were founded last year, I think, right?
1: Uh, So I'd say like, you know, challenges have been quite a few, like, as you can understand, there is always this problem of being a first mover. Is yeah. you have to create market. Like I was yeah. talking to my our marketing advisor today. And talk like you know our chat was that our marketing should be a lot more educative than like actually selling because we are sort yeah. of like you know making people understand. Because even when we like you know ran a campaign on Facebook, right, and we got a lot of ads, we got we generated a lot of leads. The problem with this was, like, you know, when we talk to people, we we could understand that people are struggling to, like, you know, manage their workflows. They are, like, you know, tired of going through the same thing. They're missing deadlines, but they don't really know how to, like, you know, use this. So even, like, you know, once I, I was talking to a few people, a few were them, like, we were more expecting of a seminar. Like, you know, you are probably going to, like, you know, conduct a seminar with a lot of people, and you are going to show companies like how to best manage your workflows and that also give us interesting ideas like you know that can that can be something that we can do because yeah. so the prop like you know it's an advantage being the first mover but also means that we have to educate a lot of market and that means it is a bit resource training right so if you have a market that is ready that means that you can charge from day one as i mentioned right but right now for us it's more of getting users on board uh, educating people about the product about the market itself of the opportunities that it has and how it can benefit them and probably somewhere down the line like you know probably six months down the line when we have uh, some sort of band credibility market credibility then we can start to like you know actually charge people quite a bit of money so yeah that is a problem because it is sort of a bit of resource training to a large extent so secondly I say, like, you know, again, SS is very new in Bangladesh. The problem that I faced at first was how to, like, how to do that, how to do SaaS. I had no idea at all. Like, I even wrote an article on LinkedIn in about the five things that I would do differently if mm-hmm. I was starting to today. So, because, like, you know, once I got into Twitter and, like, you know, really started to talk to people, yeah. Uh, Then I started to realize, like, you know, the things that I've done wrong. So, for example, like for months, we didn't have any email marketing campaign. We have just started it recently. I didn't really understand how to do content. As I said, like, you know, I don't really know anyone in Bangladesh who can actually, who understands this. I didn't really have an understanding of how to reach out to customers. Say, for example, things like lifetime deals for SaaS, which is very common for a lot of SaaS, who they, like, you know, start at, at the very beginning how do you do this sort of things and how do you build a leads pipeline and so a lot of these strategies were missing in in our early days thankfully now i have a lot more exposure and now i'm understanding all of these things in terms of like you know okay this is how you do this this is how you do that and blah 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 right so yeah i would say like these are probably the two biggest challenges, and the third is always like you know that there is probably same for every startup that you have ever talked about is about like resources to an extent yeah because our problem with resources is that it's not like we're buying out we don't really have money we are stable to a large extent right but the problem is we have opportunities as i mentioned right we have opportunities to tap into different industries we understand like you know different industries have different needs but we just cannot really afford to do that right now because uh, being a very small team will end up stretching ourselves too much. But if right. we had a bit more like, you know, resource at our hand, a bit of more, I would say at a bit more luxury to an extent, then we could experiment a bit more, right? Uh, say I could then create a template spend like you know get give two resources a month to create a template that specifically work for rmg sector and then go and deploy it in like you know three factories just to see an, on a three-month period like you know can we convert those three factories paying clients if we can do that then great that we have like you know, another like you know vertical that you can t- tap into but right now, I don't really have that luxury to like, you know, do those sort of experiments. So I have to be a bit more cautious in terms of like, you know, marketing, in terms of choosing persona, and even like, you know, with product as well. So yeah, I would say like, these are probably like, you know, fundamental uh, stuff that we have struggled a bit with.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you're only, a, you're a team of three, right? It's only three of you. And this business was started last year, correct? So yeah. you're only a year old. You're still quite young.
1: Yeah, very, very young. You're
0: very, very young. And you're doing well, uh, despite being so young. So you still still have a long way to go. The last question I always ask is, what lessons have you learned? But you shared a lot already. (laughs) You shared a lot of things that you've learned already. So is there anything else that you want to add to wrap up the conversation for our listeners? Uh, So...
1: Again, I, I would, like you know my learnings is probably with like you know, SaaS, so it's, it's it's a bit it's a bit specific to mm. an extent. But I would say like you know have a much more clearer understanding in terms of what you would want to do before you have done it, and like you know, and this is something that I see on Twitter right now, and this is so important. Like, and I cannot stress this enough. Go and talk to ten people who would be willing to use your product before you have started building the product. And I think Mm. this is is tremendously important because having, and like try to go beyond your network, right? Because like, you know, a lot of this international like interesting opportunities that I found out is going beyond my comfort zone and talking to people say, like, you know, as I said, when I I went and talked, uh, when I say about RMG factory, I meant that I went into a factory, I talked to the merchandiser for hours understood what they do on a daily basis right actually i have documented like you know their work processes from step by step and that is same for two three different other industries as well now if i go and talk to an investor i can genuinely pitch them and show them exactly how i think i can improve these three industries and how i can have use cases across these different industries rather than have a very say like you know vague uh like you know conversation regarding that so i would say go do that if you if you are very confident then probably start with the landing page get a few leads in, see how many people in your like you know network uh, actually subscribe to your like you know email put their email in and join a wait list or something like this once you yeah. do have that start very minimal like you know as minimal as possible once you because it's just my idea is pretty simple is you should get validation of your idea as soon as possible
0: you know
1: that then you are then you know like you know right i have done all of this and now i know this is something that people need then go raise funds or like you know whatever however way you want to proceed let's say like this is the one thing and again i say this because my understanding is a bit more specific to sas but for in general that this works uh go do that and then like you know go for uh this and the last thing that i'm going to mention is be a bit clearer in terms of what you really want to do so by that i don't really mean by what you want to do with the product what product what industry not not all of that but what is your goal with this startup right is it to become a unicorn is it to become uh, disrupt the market disrupt the industry or is it to become a profitable company as soon as possible? Do you want to bootstrap? Do you want to raise funds? So have a like, you know, read-through in terms of what it is like to like, you know, do all those things and then have a clearer understanding. Because say if you're a bootstrap startup and you, you want to be profitable, you probably <clears throat> say don't want to get free users on board because that is only going to incur cost for you. So a lot of your strategies, a lot of your product strategies, marketing strategies, should align with what you're doing right now we don't want to like you know focus more on profitability profitability you really want to disrupt this market and we really want to like you know bring innovation and change into this market that will obviously cost a lot of money so that is that in itself is a gamble because that means that we are always going to be more dependent on funds coming in to expand and like you know grow our business so yeah i think like have a bit clearer understanding of, like, you know, where you want to be, uh, then I think, like, it, like the, the rest will follow through. And I've already shared a lot, so I think, like,
0: Yes, you have. You're incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I really, really learned a lot from this. And, I mean, again, you've only been doing this for a year, but I sense, you know, all of these conversations that you've been having and really putting yourself out there, you sound more seasoned than one year, to be honest. (laughs) You sound like you've been in business for years and, you know, this is is a business you only started a year ago. So it's quite uh, impressive, everything that you're doing. So yeah, keep up the good work.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think like, and obviously like, I would say like we are doing this for one year, but also having experience in TIGRO yes, also helped because before. we yeah like that wasn't a success and failure stitch you a lot more than success. I I have done like you know it's a first hand experience I can tell you. So yeah, yeah we like try we to learn more and from obviously failures for sure. Yeah, and I I am I I try to talk to a lot of founders like you know, as much as possible to learn from their experience as well. It's like uh, rather like you know listen and listen from them the sort of i i, I don't really like listening to founders who have already become a unicorn stuff but i i get i feel i find it very really hard to relate to them but yeah. i try to uh, like you know talk to founders say like you know who are, who are probably like you know, raised a CDC right you're yeah. like you know CDC like one or two steps ahead of me because i think then i can relate a lot more to the like you know their struggles their learnings and yeah, take it from there. So yeah, that, yeah, that's I agree with you. Too.
0: I agree with you. A lot of, a lot of what you hear or see in the media is celebrating people who've like quote unquote made it, but you don't really yeah. hear a lot of stories from those in their early stages that's why this podcast is always focused on the founders in the early stages because I think that's where you really hear the gems you hear about the struggles you hear the challenges it's the story before the big story you know it's the 10 and 15 years that you've been working really hard before you know you blow up in Forbes for example or you get into YC and everybody starts hearing about you but nobody knows what you actually went through before and I think that's so much more valuable so I agree with you there for sure for sure not that those big stories aren't important but you just learn more from the early days absolutely the big
1: stories itself are just a bit more inspiring so for example if you're going through a hard time and you hear the story of like someone who has had like you know five different startups failure before they made, it, made one unicorn, it just gives you a bit more hope about you and like life in general. I think like that. that's good. But I think it's very hard to get actionable, like, you know, tips from those sort of stories. I I would rather like, you know, talk to someone who can give me actionable tips in terms of, you know, do this, this, and this, that will improve this, this, and this. So I, I prefer those sort of conversation a bit more. It's sort of like, you know, my take off, like, you know, my way of learning, it can be different for others, but yeah, it just, this works for me.
0: Absolutely. I like that as an ending. This works for me. Everybody should just do what works for them. That's the best way. Yeah. All right, Rashid, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And until next time, folks, bye for now. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this conversation, visit the Rare Birds platform to learn and hear more from startups in emerging markets. Download our podcast episodes by visiting the website at www.raybirdshq.com, or via iTunes, Spotify, Google, Anchor, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Join our growing global community of rare ones by subscribing to our newsletter on our website and visit our shop to purchase some rare gear for yourself or as a gift for your friends. Thanks again for listening in, and until next time, rare ones, bye for now.